Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of It Starts With Attraction. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing ItStartsWithAttraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to ItStartsWithAttraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. In today's conversation, I am talking with Jadelle Lee, who is an active dance educator, a published author, a professional speaker, and honestly, an all-around amazing person who was so much fun to talk to, who brings a fresh perspective of life to the audiences that he has worked with across the entire country. He is loving things that have to do with leadership, personal development, and of course, things that have to do with dance. But in the conversation that we have today, we talk about so much more than that. We talk about Jadel's struggles with his mental health, how he overcame those, found purpose, and some of the keys that he uses to lead himself and his hint of where leadership begins. It was an absolute joy for me to talk with Jadel, and I believe you are going to have so many great takeaways from this conversation with Jadel Lee. Let's dive in. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as us insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others, and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. Janelle, I am so excited to be talking with you today. I love your spirit, even just the short amount of time we spoke before starting recording. I, I'm already loving talking to you. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited. Well, first, I want to start off there. As, as of the day we are recording this, there is an article that has come out that you were featured in that is all about mental health and recovery. And so I would love to just ask you in starting out, what has your journey been that that has, when we talk about mental health, when you talk about mental health, uh, what's your journey been? Wow. Well, to be clear, I, I struggled with depression um, since a teenager, being a teenager. Mm. And the challenge about that was struggling with making friends, mm. getting in. I mean, all of the things that you would um, assume most teenagers or even just most children would go through. But I found that it affected my confidence. I found that it affected my self-esteem. And so I became that kind of individual that would laugh at jokes that weren't funny just to fit in. Mm. <laughs> I'd, I'd be that person that would hang out with different groups and I, I'd be made fun of and harassed and bullied um, for just not being at maybe that version of myself that people didn't like or something of that nature. But I found that even in high school, it started to affect my self-esteem and my confidence, the way that I saw myself. And I think the challenging thing about being bullied, being harassed, being hazed for just different reasons. The challenge is, is it makes you see yourself the way other people choose to see you. It makes you put things on you that other people choose to put things on you. And I would look in the mirror, think of myself and my self image would be what I thought other people saw. And so it affected me so much so um, that I went into college, not really knowing anything about myself 
not knowing about what I wanted to pursue as a career, not knowing anything. I, I, I literally had a prayer. God, just please help me make friends. Mm. You know, that was my prayer going into college. I wasn't thinking about my future. I wasn't thinking about a major or a degree or a career. I was thinking about finally belonging hmm. um, to the point where, you know, I went through some turmoil. I mean, I dated some people in college. I had, you know, interesting experiences, but unfortunately, because my mental health suffered, I did attempt suicide at two different points in wow. college. And I think when people think about someone who's on the brink of suicide, they think of someone who is possibly making a choice, who feels like they have no way out, um, who's overwhelmed and is making a split decision. And what was crazy was that I thought about it. Hmm. I strategized about it. I planned it. And what was so unfortunate, at least, you know, in hindsight, was that I never intended to live past the age 21. Hmm. And when I talk about mental health, what's important for me is to really acknowledge just the process someone goes through when they experience emotional trauma, maybe even physical trauma, psychological trauma. There is this buildup of things that goes on on the inside of them mentally, emotionally, physically, sometimes even spiritually, that drives them not just to a decision, but to a perception. And so for me, having all of those experiences kind of compound over time and not necessarily having the emotional intelligence or the social emotional learning to be able to manage my emotions, handle conflict, see opportunities of failure or mistakes as growth opportunities, you know, um, learning to build positive community, learning to communicate effectively because I wasn't exercising any of those things. It was a buildup over time. And it just was, you know, another nail in my coffin, another nail in my coffin when things would, when things would happen to me. So when I talk about mental health, I love to help people see that sometimes we don't notice or acknowledge that something is affecting us until something is triggered. That takes time. Um, we don't notice how we contribute to that sometimes. Sometimes when we refuse or neglect to reach out. I mean, I was the person that was so comfortable smiling and saying everything's fine. And I'd convince you. <laughs> People was like, oh, he good. It's great. Man, I was going through it. At different points in college, I was homeless. I remember I would eat out of the trash cans. Um, What's interesting now is that my wife, she goes, I remember when your when your feet would stink from your from your socks because you never washed your clothes, you know, but I was so good at faking it. I was so good at hiding it because I think for me, at least. I think one of the bigger challenges um, wasn't necessarily saying that I needed help. I think the bigger challenge for me was. Being OK with receiving it, being oh. OK with that intervention. You know what I mean? And um, thankfully, the second time I attempted suicide, there was someone to intervene. Um, unfortunately, I sat there in my bathroom, in my student apartment, and I swallowed a bunch of pills. And then I went to sleep. But because I had called my friend earlier that day, he, you know, had a feeling something isn't right, showed up at my house. And um, thankfully, he was able to take me to the hospital. And um, they put me on a psychiatric hold. I was there for five days within the hospital. 
And I had nothing but time to reflect, to decompress, to actually get help and take the time I needed to address some things, to strategize and get help and assistance on how to strategize about some things, but to actually move forward and, and, and make tangible changes that were relevant to me. So when I talk about mental health, I I love to help people understand um, whether we, whether we, whether it's someone we know or whether it's us ourselves, it's a process. We didn't just arrive at these moments and these choices and these traumas, but it it is a process to, um, to kind of work through it. Uh When you think back to how, because you said it started when you were in high school, Mm -hmm. right? So when you think back to that time, is there anything that you feel like could have happened by someone either intervening then or, or I don't even know what other way to ask it, but what could have happened to stop the progression to the suicide attempt, if anything? Right. I think the biggest thing, and this is me speaking as a professional dance educator. um, I deal with kids all day, every day. Mm-hmm. I even teach as a professor at a university. So I'm dealing with undergraduates all day, every day. And the biggest thing that I see is their struggle to be seen. And I just remember being in that place. I think to answer your question, if someone would have taken the time to see me, I think that would have had a lasting impact. And it's actually something that motivates the way that I teach, the way that I communicate, the way that I serve, because at the end of the day, I want you to know that I see you. We don't have to, we don't have to damage control just yet. If that's not what you're into or what you want, but I want you to know that I see you because I think what happens is, and I can say this for myself, when we go through things, sometimes we don't have the emotional intelligence to identify it, let alone strategize on how to deal with it and manage it. Sometimes we don't have that kind of education. Right. You know, all I knew was that I just kept having bad days, but I didn't see the long-term effects or even the consequences of just the things that I was experiencing. Now, if someone had come in and said, Hey, you know what? I see that you're struggling in this area, but I want to affirm you in this other area. I want to encourage you. I want to be your champion. I want to be your supporter and maybe even your friend. I think that would have done something for my self-esteem. That would have done nothing for my confidence. It probably wouldn't have fixed situations, right? We can't control what people say and do about us, but it would have done something in me called planting a seed. It would have then over time worked to cultivate that seed and to grow that seed, you know? And so for me, at least as an educator, it is my mission to see my students, you know, something I hashtag on my Instagram is each one reach one. Hmm. I will take the time to, work with the individual. We will stop everything to make sure that we are at a level of understanding and that's okay. You know, sometimes sometimes my students, when I'm teaching choreography, they're like, I just need five more minutes. We got all day. (laughs) We have time. We have time for you to learn. We have time for you to grow. We have time for you to heal. We have time for you to trial and error. We have time for you to fail. We have time for you to succeed. How many of us go through life and feel like we're running out of time and that, when we run out of that time, that there's no opportunity for, for redemption, no opportunity for grace, no opportunity for forgiveness. I mean, that's every time we take an exam. That's every time we apply for a job. That's every time we uh, 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 run our credit on an application. I mean, come on. You know, so what I like to do 
And I wish people did this for me, whether it was in my family, whether it was with my friends, whether it was um, in school, take time to see me. Mm. Take time to see other people. Mm-hmm. Definitely a countercultural way of thinking, because right now in our culture, it's very um, not just, you know, do things quickly, hustle, get all the things done. But it's also very self-focused a lot of the times. Grow your following, grow your brand, grow your. And so it can be easy to miss the each one reach one. Right. Because it's like if I just spend time with one person how am I influencing thousands? So how, I mean, and you do, so you have, you, you know, you do have a great following. You are doing great things. You're a dance instructor at Seton Hall, like all these amazing things. I mean, and especially when we, when we look at what, where you are now compared to where you were in college, like, wow, you have had amazing growth, but I love that you've done it by focusing on the individual. Yeah. So my mentor always said, look, service to many leads to greatness. And so at the end of the day, for me, a focus is always duplication because the thing about it, and this is what's so interesting, um, you are always influenced by those around you. Information circles, circles of influence are real. You're hanging out with five people and they love green eggs and ham. Eventually you're going to try some green eggs and ham. (laughs) And so what I realized, and this is, we can relate this back to trauma. When I leave your presence, what did I leave you with? Hmm. I love it. You know, we have those friends. Sometimes we know people who are so toxic, so negative that after they leave, after we hang up the phone, after we, we leave for the weekend, you you try to shake them off. Cause it's just like, Whoa, I don't want to, I don't want to carry that. But then we also have those other friends who make us laugh, who make us appreciate life, who, you know, affirm and encourage us and give us a great time. And we want to stay with that, even though the weekend has passed. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, we're always leaving something. We're always depositing something into other people, whether we are intentional about it or not. And so whether it's the individual or it's the masses, at the end of the day, what am I trying to duplicate in you? And so for Mm -hmm. me, whether it is the individual or the masses, I need to still take the time. Why? Because I'm here to cultivate something in you. At the end Mm -hmm. of the day, and this is something I share with my students, this is something I discovered even in myself, your confidence is everything. Mm -hmm. How you see yourself is everything. For me, I'm not just a choreographer. I'm a professional dance educator. I'm not just that. I'm a consultant and a coach. I'm not just that. I'm also an author. I'm a multi-hyphenate. And the, the... the epitome of all of that or the cornerstone of all of that is my confidence. It doesn't mean I'm the best. I'm not trying to be the best. And I'm also not trying to be the only, but at the end of the day, like you said, night and day from where I started university to where I finished mm-hmm. and to where I am now and to just what my mission is and how I live my life at the end of the day, when I was focusing on all of the things that gave me nothing, right? They gave me no life, right? When we focus on just building the following, when we focus on just putting out the content, when we focus on just being well-liked, I realized at the end of the day, none of that sustained me. None of that gave me peace. None of that fulfilled purpose. None of that duplicated anything fruitful for other people. So taking time for the individual is serving the masses because that individual will go into their communities. They'll go into their homes. They'll go into their circles of influence and be the blessing that they're called to be. I'm not here to be your everything, but if all I'm here to do is give you one thing, that one thing can still impact hundreds of thousands. 
Mm-hmm. And for me, that's relevant. For me, that's worth taking the time. Mm-hmm. So why did you choose dance? Oh my gosh. So, okay. I, this is such a fun story. So I remember being in the ninth grade, we were at the rally, the little, you know, gymnasium rally and the dance production came on stage and they performed and got everyone hyped up. I had never taken a dance class in my life, (laughs) but I turned to my friend. I said, girl, I could do that. Let me go (laughs) over here. Let me show them what's up. Tell me why the auditions were next week. And tell me why when I showed up, (laughs) I was in a button-up t-shirt. I was in jeans. I was in sneakers. Everyone else in the room was in leotards, ballet buns, jazz shoes, ballet shoes. I mean, they were ready to go. And I'm over here walking off the street and I'm over here like, like uh, Channing Tatum and step up. Like, uh, (laughs) uh, you want me to do what? (laughs) Y'all call that a Grand Prix. I call that dropping like it's hot, you know? (laughs) What was so amazing about that was in the midst of everything that was going on with me emotionally, again, trying to fit in, trying to figure out myself, trying, you know, struggling to compare myself to other people and all these different things. I was in this dance space, didn't know a person in the room, but it had finally felt like I was where I needed to be. Mm. When I dance, I am my most authentic self. I realized in pursuing dance, just in my ignorance of it all, I was inspired. I had never been inspired before. I had played football. I had done skating. I did karate. I did other activities. But dance called me. And I answered. And what was so beautiful about that was I had to decide early on. Because, again, I had nothing else to look forward to. I mean, yes, I was in school. um, Other things were going on. But it was the thing that kept me up at night. It was the thing that woke me up in the morning. Mm. It made me hear music differently. It made me appreciate um, connection differently. And at the time, again, I'm 15 years old. I'm not really knowing what all this stuff is. I just know that it feels good and it's exciting, mm-hmm. you know, but it was the thing that kept me moving, so to speak, in my life, kept me aspiring. It taught me how to dream because then I would watch these movies and look at dance differently and see the choreography and see the different textures and the movements. And then because I was learning different styles, I was able to identify different things. And it just made me want to see myself in those spaces. One year after I started dancing, I found myself in New York City performing live with students from the Dance Theater of Harlem. Alvin Ailey, the School of American Ballet, I was on a national stage one year after saying yes to the opportunity to be inspired. And from that moment, being in New York City, performing um, online, it was uh, it was streamed online, but it was in front of 3,000 people. I told myself, wherever dance takes me, I'm just going to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, when I came back home from that trip, because that was a summer trip, I had something to look forward to. You know, and I got to see what dance did for other people on a national scale. Mm-hmm. I got to see what, what that kind of commitment and discipline and that type of artistry and passion and hope and just love for creativity, what it actually did for people and how it touched and transformed and how it impacted communities. It was Mm -hmm. beautiful. And I started to see myself as someone worthy of that. 
So I started pursuing it. Um, I then went to college. I started off as a business major, go figure, but then eventually changed my major to dance. And I also studied media and cultural studies. And I started teaching while I was in college. And then I started to dance professionally. And now I teach professionally. So I teach all around the country. I'm always willing to get on a plane <laughs> to go to a new city, a new state, whatever the case is. Um, and I and I love it. I love seeing the talent all around the country. I taught at the um, Abilene Dance Company in Pennsylvania. And I loved that because I remember seeing this TV show on TV. And now I'm in the room. <laughs> so I had experiences like that where it was like, wow, from just making that decision to pursue, just pursue. I don't have to be the best. I don't have to be the only. But from making that decision to pursue, I've never regretted it. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you, I mean, it's, I, I feel funny asking this question because I see your face light up and I hear you talk about it and it's so clear, but I'm sure in the people that you've worked with, and especially, you know, now you're doing coaching and, and working with people more on that developmental level. How do you encourage people and help people identify what their passion is? It's clear you're passionate about dance, mm-hmm. right? Like everything about you says it when you're talking about of it. But what about the people who who you work with and you talk with and they're just saying, Jadel, I don't know. Nothing inspires me the way that you talk about dance. Nothing inspires me like that. How do you help them? You know, it's so interesting. I love it because John C. Maxwell, his leadership series is so amazing. He has uh, the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Chapter two says, um, you have to discover where your influence is. Mm-hmm. Leaders have influence. So when it comes to the things that you could potentially be passionate about or the things that potentially you could be really good at, it's in the areas where you have influence. Mm-hmm. So for me, I love to dance But when it comes to people, I have an influence when it comes to helping them feel comfortable, helping them to see themselves, helping them to feel affirmed and encouraged and inspired, but also to have strategy on how to move to the next space of whatever their goal is. That is where my influence is. I happen to channel it through areas of dance. Mm -hmm. And so what I love to do when I'm talking to people is what do people say about you? What is the best feedback that you get from most people? And in that, sometimes we have to go to those spaces. Well, people always call me for advice. Great. Let's start there. Do you love helping people? Do you enjoy it? When people call you, do you feel valued? Do you feel like you're giving them value? Do you feel like you are purposed in those moments? Yeah, I do. I guess I've never just thought about it that way. Wonderful. Let's start thinking about it that way. Sometimes we think um, when it comes to purpose, when it comes to passion, it's so deep and profound. Sometimes it's as simple as looking at what's most common in your life. What is most familiar in your life? I love people. I love to laugh. I love to hear people's stories. I love to see people grow and change and come out of their shell. I love to see them emote. So I try to incorporate that in anything that I do. And more importantly, if I can't have fun doing it, I can't do it. (laughs) But that's just me. So whether I'm dancing, whether I'm coaching, whether I'm writing a book, whether I'm being featured in an article and being interviewed, that is always my objective is to help people to kind of see themselves and bring out those natural things about them. Because when I was going through those whole, you know, that whole depressive state, when I was going through homelessness, when I was trying to get through undergrad, but had no vision at the end of the day, I still had to rely on what was most natural to me. Now, and, you know, it, it, 
people would call that street street smarts. You know, people would call it different things, right? But again, what's most familiar to you sometimes can lead you to sometimes even your purpose and your passion. Mm-hmm. But there, but there's something else that's part of it too. And I want to ask you about this. It, it was more than just relying on what was familiar to you. You saw a vision for things way better than they could have been. I mean, you had come from homelessness to suicide attempts to where you are now. How did you create that, that vision for you? How did you believe that you could get out of that pit you were in and that things could be better? What did you do to get there? You know, one thing I write in my book is sometimes you have to fall from grace. Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom in order to realize the only direction you can go is up. And so sometimes you have to have circumstance or pain or trauma or disappointment you know, settle in in order for you to see the relevance and making a change. And so for me, a lot of things were happening. All of those homeless things, all of those depressive things were happening. Um, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Hmm. And so then that's when I was humble enough to say, I need help. What prevents us from reaching out and building community, even in our struggle, is pride or fear or insecurity. And that's okay. That is so natural. I, didn't, I, I couldn't afford any of that. My mentor would always say, look, you can't be broke and skeptical. You have to pick a struggle. I said, look. <laughs> so that's hilarious. I had to get around people that had vision because it was something that I lacked. Mm. I had to get around people that had confidence because it was something that I lacked. I had to get that's around sweet. people who were goal oriented because it was an area that I lacked. And so, again, Hmm. how did you do this? How do you do that? For me, I had to see my areas of lack as opportunities to grow. And then what did I do? I got around people to do that. Because, again, like we we have established, information circles, circles of influence are real. So I had to kind of learn kinesthetically because that's how I learned, too. Now, from there, I had mentors, really, really, really great mentors, you know, give me some reading material. One book that a mentor gave me was uh, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And I love the book because it basically outlines, hey, your series of choices have lasting impact. And your, your, your small choices have big impact as well. So these small, consistent choices can give you residual, residual success. You know, hey, I'm trying to grow in the areas of consistency. Great. So then keep your appointments. If you tell someone you're going to do it, Um, then make sure you follow through. If you say you're calling somebody back at three o'clock, make sure you call them back at three o'clock. These simple, practical things, I love that that book taught me, um, lead to you growing and developing habits in ways that actually benefit you. You know, Hmm. Um, like I mentioned, uh, John C. Maxwell, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. My mentor would always say, look, leadership starts at home. Mm Mm-hmm. Leadership starts at home. Great. So then let me read this book. Let me see myself, even in this book, whether I agree that I'm this type of leader or that type of leader, it doesn't matter. You know, I love that chapter one is about the law of the lid. You know, if you keep learning, you'll keep growing. If you keep um, depositing into your capacity, your capacity will grow at the end of the day. We, we teach that when we go to school. We got to keep learning, pass the test. So we go to the next grade. So then how can I apply that? to my personal life. You know, chapter two is the law of influence. 
leaders have influence? What areas am I influential? Let me mature in those areas. Okay, people listen to me. Let me stop gossiping. <laughs> Let me be intentional right. about what I'm depositing into people. Right? Yeah. They're going to listen either way. Chapter three, mm-hmm. the law of um, uh, process. You know, success takes time. Okay, so anything I aspire to do, anything I aspire to become, again, putting it back into my personal life my, and, and make it more practical, anything I set my mind to, it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. You know, I can go on because I love that book. But um, these things, I, I needed to intervene. And so, one, I had to get around community. Mm-hmm. And I focused that community specifically in the areas um, that I particularly lacked. Um, and then on top of that, I allowed myself to keep learning. So sometimes that was reading material. Sometimes that was, mm-hmm. you know, TED Talks and different podcasts. Sometimes that was having conversations with counselors and therapists. You know, mm-hmm. but I allowed that intervention to sharpen me, to mature me in my thinking, mm-hmm. to mature me even in my behavior. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love how you you were intentional about knowing where you were weak and and seeking to put people in your life that were strong there. I that's brilliant. That's a great point. The other great point I love is that leadership isn't just about people who lead a company. Leadership is for every single one of us, right? And John Maxwell is great. How, how many times have you read that book? Because you know those. <laughs> John knows his stuff. John knows his stuff. But let me tell you. Yes, you have to be intentional. And again, mm-hmm. a lot of people, I mean, and I, w- I was in this place, I need help, but I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And so again, looking at your areas of lack mm-hmm. and, and, and sometimes the, it, 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 it takes a friend, it takes a counselor, it takes a leader to help you identify those areas. But even in doing that, right, we're talking about social emotional learning. We have to look at those as opportunities to grow. So, Mm -hmm. okay, I lack confidence. That doesn't mean I'm a loser. Right. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, I lack consistency. That doesn't mean I'm a loser. Got it. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. But again, when I started to read those types of books and be around those types of people, for me, rather than thinking so grandiose about everything, I had to bring it down to a natural standpoint, a practical standpoint. Got it. So leadership starts at home. That means leadership, again, like grandma always said, make your bed before you leave the house. You know, keep the dishes clean. We can't cook in a dirty kitchen. Leadership mm-hmm. literally starts at home. <laughs> you know, when I came right. for the day, um, am I, do I set up everything for when I'm, uh, you know, getting ready to go the next day? You know, have I followed up on all my emails so that I'm still up to date on my communication. I mean, you'd be so surprised how you can incorporate leadership into a lot of the things that we do. And one thing I do want to say about leadership, something that I encounter with a lot of people that I coach, again, personal development, professional development, is acknowledging sometimes we had poor leadership mm-hmm. in our lives, in the form of our parents, in the form of our teachers, in the form of our friends. Well, I just always thought that this was like this. Nope, I'm sorry. That was a poor leader in your life. And we have to be open and willing to revise our thinking. You know, in order to seek true transformation, we have to be willing to renew our mind. 
So sometimes I have to change the way I see something in order for that thing that I'm looking at to change. You know, and I had to do that even with myself. I saw myself as a loser because so many people told me I was a loser. Mm. That was poor leadership on their end. So I had to dispel, I had to cast out that belief or that lie that I, uh, that I wore like a jacket. And I had to see something new in myself. And sometimes that takes, again, the help of a community leader. Sometimes it takes the help of a pastor, a teacher, a loved one, a friend to affirm new things in you that you may not have considered, but accepting, hey, my initial, my initial thought on this thing was poor leadership. So I can let that go. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A hundred percent. You are good, Janelle. You are good. You are hitting some truths. Very good. Um, and it, the other thing, it, because people can't see you, mm-hmm. but I'm talking to you and I can see you on the video cam <laughs> is I, and I just have to tell everyone you exude something special about you and it, and it shows, right? So <laughs> you're one of those people where it's like, I like the way I feel talking to you. You exude faith. You exude confidence. You exude hope. And this is what we need in our lives. We need people who are going to do this for us, who are going to speak truth, even when it might hurt, who are going to help us break those, those faulty lies from our past. Mm-hmm. This is what people need. Yeah. And you embody it so well. No, thank you. And I, I appreciate that you said that because when I got that revelation that people need to be loved, in every area of their lives, they need to be loved. When I finally received and just accepted that revelation, it really informed and changed the way that I interacted with people. You know, and I say that because, you know, even with my friends, I tell my friends all the time, and we have these great conversations. Look, if you can't correct me, even when I'm wrong, If you can't affirm me, even when I lose sight of who I am, then we're not really friends. Mm. You know, Um, we have to be willing to go into these intimate spaces with people. Now, again, intimacy is simply into you, I see. We have to be willing to see people. That's it. And sometimes, like you said, is seeing them is just seeing what makes them them seeing what makes them shine and be great, but also seeing them sometimes has more to do with seeing their next place, even if they can't see it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going through a lot of stuff, but it didn't mean that I never had anyone say a kind thing to me. It didn't mean that mm-hmm. I never had someone deposit something in me that left a lasting impact. I definitely had really great mentors, um, people that took a special interest in me. And I took what they left me with And I love to try and leave it with so many people. But again, when I got the revelation that, again, you have to love people where they are, it makes you, it makes you see yourself differently and it makes you see other people differently. It makes you, it helps you to give grace. Mm -hmm. It helps you to be um, not just positive, but it helps you to serve. Mm -hmm. Let me help you. You know, even with my students, my undergraduate students, I'm not here to just criticize your movement or tell you to do it better. Let me help you. So, hey, I'm going to give you this nugget and I want to see it flourish and grow. And I want to encourage you to keep pursuing and all these different things, because those are the things that we need sometimes. Like 
during these COVID times, a lot of people are losing hope or a lot of people are hanging on to different things. And one thing that I've realized is that this was such a beautiful opportunity, you know, personally to, to look at myself and see the things that I wanted to restore and change and grow in. And so that was important to me. And then of course, the opportunity that I still have to, to teach, I still get to do in-person classes. I still get to work with people. I still get to do these things. And so it makes me look at the time I'm spending with people differently as well. And just being more intentional. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some of the key things that people can do tangibly, like on a daily basis, weekly basis to show the people in their lives that they see them? What does that look like in action? Ask people how they're doing, Hmm. wait for a response and have a follow-up question. Check in with people about things that they've talk to you about. So what does that look like? Hey mom, I remember you were telling me about the thing on the thing about the thing. How's that going? I literally had a student tell me the other day, wow, you remembered my name. Wow. You remember that I told you I had a dog named such and such. I was like, of course, how's your dog? (laughs) You know, (laughs) and that meant something. And as a, as a student teacher relationship, this dancer is now in my classes more engaged, you know, more involved, more, you know, more excited and anticipating, having a good time. So meet people where they are by, again, asking them how they're doing, listen for the response and have a follow-up response. And then at a later time, check in. Hey, how's that going? That thing you were telling me about. And if you do see someone going through something, say something, even if it's, even if it's just to encourage them. You know, I always say, and I love this because Pastor John Gray says it best, friends encourage you to endure. Sometimes people aren't ready to talk about things that are, you know, painful to them. However, you can still encourage their perseverance. Mm -hmm. So I love it because my wife, what she'll do is she'll just say, hey, I just wanted you to know that I believe that you can keep going, that you're doing a great job. I just want to affirm you. This is what I've noticed in your growth. And what that does for me in the moment is it's like, okay, got it. I got a second win. I'm about to keep, about to keep winning, you know, running the race. And that's something, again, that helps someone, again, if they're struggling in, in terms of mental health, it, it encourages them to keep looking forward to the future. Because you never know what people are going through. You never know what they're contemplating. You never know what decisions they're making. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> because... It's so, it's so tangible, right? Like how easy is it for us to ask someone what's going on in their lives, listen, follow up with a question and then ask them about it again at a later date. But think about, I mean, the majority of me thinking about this, I'm like, when is the last time I did this? This, I could do this with my mom today. I could do it with my sister, right? Like my husband. So it's encouraged me. And even with that last part of what you said of just look at the people in your life and encourage them. There's a couple of days ago where my husband, uh, he just looked at me out of nowhere and said, um, you've got this, you're doing a great job. Yeah. And, and I felt seen, I wouldn't have thought about, about it that way until our conversation. But when I think back at it, it's like, I felt seen Yeah. because it came out of nowhere. 
So if I were to do that for someone else, they're going to feel seen, right? Like it's like this, oh, you cared enough to stop and say that to me. Of course. Taking the time to meet people where they are. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) And it's things people can do. Oh my goodness, Jadel. I absolutely love it. Well, I love it. What I would be remiss if we didn't talk at least for a tiny bit about dance and why people should do it because you're a dancer. And I think that was the whole original purpose I wanted to have you on the podcast. Um, but we talked about amazing, amazing stuff. Um, what are some benefits? So dance, you love it. What are some benefits of people trying out dance? Why would you recommend people to give it a shot? What are some things it can do for us? Tell us all the good things. Oh my goodness. I have the great, a perfect story for you. So pre-COVID, I was actually teaching in San Francisco. I was teaching adult classes, hip hop classes. And what was so amazing was for these adult classes, the most, the majority of people that would come through would be people that worked in technology. I call them techies. Mm. So I would have a bunch of techies come to my class and these would be techies that have either never danced before or kind of sort of danced before, but they had limited experience. And what I noticed was that they used my class as an opportunity to unplug. And I loved Mm -hmm. that. I was like, great, we're going to unplug. Now, what I learned in just having a few people kind of circulate through my class was that there was this intimidation. There was this general insecurity to just simply move freely. Now, I understand that When you work in an industry that is completely performance driven, you know, you might be a little self-conscious. How am I doing? How am I doing? How am I doing? And I'm the kind of teacher where it's like, hey, do you, bro. (laughs) Do what you do best and enjoy it. And what was so amazing just through that time was that I was just encouraging them to loosen up. Enjoy yourself. You know, allow the moment, the music, allow the, the, the musicality, the rhythm, everything, just allow it to affirm you. Move how you move, right? The same way that we walk, we have our own rhythm when we walk, allow that to be your natural movement. Now, when it comes to choreography, just make sure, you know, you step on the left when we go to the left, you step on the right when we go to the right, call it a day. But what I loved was that they allowed that to just build their confidence, And their goal of, again, coming to unplug, coming to unwind, coming to just be somewhere else and not in their head, it worked. Now, specifically, there was a um, couple. We're really great friends to this day through this class. But this couple came in named Armor and Stephanie. And I talk about them often, so they're completely comfortable with me using their story. Armor comes in two weeks after Stephanie comes in. Stephanie's more familiar with dancing. Armor's never danced a day in his life. So then I'm like, okay, got to make sure this guy has a great time. Got to make sure this guy feels affirmed and seen. I know what it's like to be the only boy in a class, the only male person in the class and not be seen and not be affirmed and, you know, kind of be overlooked. So I said, let me, let me take a intentional interest in him. And long story short, they came consistently the entire time I taught in San Francisco to the point where we just all became friends because I was like, if Armour and Stephanie are showing up, we about to have a good time. <laughs> but what was so beautiful was that at a later time, Armour said, Hey, Jadel, I want to propose to Stephanie and I want to do it through a dance. Mind you, he's only at this point had only been dancing for two months. And he said, I want to do it through dance. She loves K-pop. 
and I want to do something special. Oh, wow. So then he said, can you help me with this? I said, I'd be honored <laughs> to do this. Oh, so post COVID, right? COVID starts, quarantining starts, shelter in place starts, but then, you know, some things are lifted in San Francisco and we're able to go outside. We ended up doing on Labor Day, Labor Day weekend, we ended up doing a K-pop inspired flash mob of 14 dancers live at Dolores Park. And because I had contacts, uh, we had two professional videographers come in, film the actual experience, film our rehearsals, and we were able to document the entire process. And it's something that's featured on my social media. But what's so beautiful is that he dances at the end. And this is someone who had only been dancing for two months before he said, I want to propose via dance flash mob. And when I tell you that in itself warms my heart, it, it's in, it's indescribable because again, at the end of the day, your confidence is everything. I'm here to, mm-hmm. I'm here to help you grow from the inside out. Once we, once we affirm that we can do all things that we can, we can do anything we set our mind to. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, we can do quantum physics or we can do this a count, what you want to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> now for me, I'm not a science person, so I'm going to stick with the A count, but let's drop it like it's hot, pick it back up and hand it back to somebody. You know what I'm saying? And so it was just a beautiful thing. And it's something um, that when we filmed it, I mean, there was hundreds of people. Again, everyone technically was socially distancing, which was really cool because of how they had the, the different pods set up at Dolores Park. But it was in front of hundreds of people on a whim. And so to go from never dancing, not having confidence in this area, not having vision in this area, to then proposing while dancing in front of a live audience, that's a big deal. To me, that's growth. To me, that is success. So since not all of us live where you live and can get dance instruction from you, which would be so fun, I would totally love to do that. How do you encourage people to get started? Unless, do you offer, do you have like recorded classes that you do? Yeah, of course. I'm what I love about um the times I don't want to say that we're in, but the opportunities we've seen kind of foster through these times, right? Um is that now we understand that connection is important. So we by any means necessary do our best to connect with people. So for me, I love teaching via Zoom. And what's amazing about that is I teach classes, I teach students um, in all different parts of the country. You know, I'm a professor virtually, which is really great, at Seton Hill University. And the time difference works perfectly in my schedule, but I get to teach it virtually. And I'm working with undergraduates there and it's amazing. And so I've been encouraging um, the virtual experience. I've been encouraging people to get into live classes. I've been encouraging people to, you know, get into online platforms you know, and so, I mean, the best thing is ask Google, ask Alexa, ask Siri, <laughs> they know something, but um, ultimately see what's going on in your town, because what's important is that we do support the arts. We do support small business. We do support these studios that are doing their best to withstand these times financially and also get through the pandemic as a whole with their, with their client retention and all these different things. There's so many factors. So I would encourage if you are in a different state, a different city, um, see what's going on locally, 
See if it's relevant to you. Uh, be encouraged to try something. You know, um, I just did an interview and they asked me a, a similar question. And I encourage people, just go for it. Even if you don't like it, go for something else. But it kind of helps you kind of figure out what is best for you. Um, I have a lot of students that prefer virtual teaching. And I'm like, great, that's perfect. That means I can teach you in my living room. This is wonderful, you know. Um, but again, start with Google. See what's going on in your area. And then if something is happening that's in another area and there's a virtual experience or something to it, engage, participate, and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And you know what's crazy fascinating is how many types of dance there are. So in the, in the few that I have tried, I love hip hop. I'm not as much of a fan of jazz or even like that, the more waltz and, you know, of things, course. you know, but it, everything's different. It's all different. And you don't know until you try. Yes. Right. Yes. You don't even know. I was listening to, I don't even remember who it was, but I was listening to a podcast several months ago where um, the guy being interviewed said, it's so good for your mental health to try new things and even if you don't, even if you don't like it, just to put yourself out there and have these new experiences is so eye-opening and and helps you in so many different ways. So dance is definitely one of those that that people can pursue. Of course, and I always share with people: start with hip hop because it is something that's free forming, hmm. and it's something that encourages you to move naturally, and it's hmm. something that again you can start at any level of experience. So it's yeah. something, again, that if you're trying to build your confidence, if you're trying to enjoy your Tuesday nights, if you're trying to just try something new, um, starting with hip hop is always great because you can get a different experience every single time. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I love it. Okay. Well, Jadel, tell us more about where our audience can find you. Tell us what about you're doing with coaching right now. Tell us all the good things so people can stay in touch. Yes. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at, at Jadelli. There's three L's, there's two E's. <laughs> and then of course my website, jadelli.com. And then I have jadellicoaching.com, which you can also get through um, jadelli.com, which is fun. But um, one thing that I'm doing right now outside of teaching uh, my university courses, outside of teaching my resident courses um, is coaching, you know, and a lot of people, what I love um about the experience they have with me as they say, look, I started here and now I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere else, you know, and my coaching is more so performance based in terms of being transformational. Right. So I, t I coach people in the areas of vision and strategy, and it's all to ensure personal growth, tangible, practical, personal growth. And of course, tangible, tangible, practical, professional growth. And so I coach people within the dance industry, dance educators, or even dancers that are trying to get to the next level, level of their influence, uh, excellence, excuse me. And then I, t I coach other people in other areas like technology and things like that to get to the next level of their excellence there as well. And again, because leadership starts at home, I always love to take that approach to whether it's personal growth or even professional growth, because we can always find ourselves in every stage or in every level of our leadership. And so what's been exciting is working with people um, and helping them strategize. You know, I've worked with dance educators who are like, hey, I'm trying to build my social proof. I'm trying to build my personal brand. I'm trying to build um, my reputation and even just get more effective at rapport building amongst my audience. 
And so we would, we would work in that space. I've had people come to me that work um, in technology and have these amazing positions there say, hey, I'm trying to grow personally. Hmm. Because with my team, I'm learning that my communication isn't as effective as I think it is. My follow through isn't as effective as I think it is. Um, and then because of it, it's taking a toll on my mental and emotional health. So how can I grow personally so then I can then implement it professionally? And we do the same thing as well. Let's look at our leadership. Mm-hmm. Because when we do that, we're able to see how it influences other areas. And then, of course, as it, as it pertains to how well or how effective we perform in an area, we then can get a gauge on that and, and you know measure our growth, which is really cool. Very cool. Absolutely. So at Jadel Lee on Instagram, JadelLee.com, JadelLeeCoaching.com is where we can find all of those good things. Jadel, thank you so much for speaking with me, talking with our audience. I have absolute confidence that the audience is going to have amazing takeaways from the conversation with you. I so appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. So much fun. Here are my key pies takeaways from today's episode with Jadel Lee. The first one is that people want to be seen. That's something we crave. We crave to feel loved. We crave to feel heard and we crave to feel seen. This is the very core of even attachment theory, a theory of how people bond and how that bonding from their early childhood allows them to feel secure and independent to grow and be successful and, and have successful relationships, loving relationships. All of those things begins with people simply feeling seen. And we talked about some key ways to do that. And I loved how Jadel broke it down. He said, one of the simplest things that you can do is ask someone how they're doing. Listen to them, ask a follow-up question, and then come back and ask them about it again in the future. This is something that is so simple to do, but it's something that we do not do at least I know I do not do enough in my life. My first key pies takeaway is to do that, to show people through your daily actions that you see them and take the time to pause and focus on them. The second key takeaway I have from today's episode is if you want to really focus on becoming the best that you can be, one of the key things that you can do is look at the circle that influences you. Are you being influenced by people who are encouraging you to be a better person, who are showing you how to be stronger in the areas where you're weak? Are you really focusing on putting encouraging and uplifting people in your life who are going to keep you moving forward? Or do you feel like the circle of influence that you have in your life is keeping you stuck? I would even go one step further and say that the circle of influence in your life isn't even just the people that are there. It's the things you're reading, the things you're watching, how you're consuming content in your time, whether that's on social media and it's something that just keeps bringing you down or what you watch on the news or anything like that. If what you are listening to or watching to or putting into your brain is influencing you in a negative way, then perhaps it's time to consider removing that influence from your life. 
And the third key pies takeaway I have from today's episode is to do something new and fun. We know from even research that when we go out and try new things, explore new things, that we grow. It helps our brains, our neural pathways, our mental health, so many great things. So I encourage you to go try something new. Whether that is dance, there are a lot of great YouTube videos that you can dance along with, find your favorite song, do some Zumba, whatever it might be. Or maybe it's taking a new class, learning a new language, taking on a new hobby like woodworking or crocheting. Whatever it is, try and do something new sometime this week. And I would love to hear what it is that you try and whether or not you liked it. But the point isn't necessarily whether or not you like it. The point is going out there, doing something and having fun. Take the time to see other people in your life. Make sure that the influences that are in your life are influences that you want in your life and go do something new and something fun. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well. You can always find out more information by going to itstartswithattraction.com for show notes, for updates, and to join the email list so that every Friday you can get an encouraging email that specifically tells you what you can do to work on your pies so that you can become the best that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Until next week, keep working on your pies and stay strong.